created live on Fireside. Hello, everyone. Welcome to YNS Live with NFL Thread. Cynthia, are you going to jump up um, for inter- uh, for the so you can make yourself because now we can put more than two people. I'm going to invite Absolutely. you there. I think you just and then, yeah. There you go. Thank you. Yes, and then I'm going to have I'm going to say hi to Erica because I'm so excited about this. But I'm also going to have Cynthia introduce. So this is YNS Live with NFL Thread. My co-host Cynthia Zordich and our guest. Erica Lassiter. So I'm going to have Cynthia introduce you, and then we're going to get into this wonderful conversation. I'm just so happy to have finally met you in person. I've heard so much about you. Oh, it's same here. I've actually listened to a few of the shows in a different episode, so I'm excited to be a part of it and join you guys today. Thank you so much. All right, Cynthia, you're up. Yeah, I just, you know, you know, Erica, I had to reflect back on how we met, and yeah, and it's been since like 2013, which I can't even believe it, but I was working um, with NFL player engagement, um, writing features, and they were starting this awesome women's resource initiative. And Troy Vincent was like, you have to meet Erica Lasseter. Like, you have to meet her. So I was like, yeah, I, I can't wait. And so it was really fun for me to reflect back on that after doing so much together because in meeting Erica, not only did we find out that both of our husbands were safeties in Arizona, which was really cool. Um, you know, I was introduced off the field and just wanted to immediately become a part of that. And I was just so welcomed so quickly and I just loved being a part of it. And I feel like we've done some amazing things together since, and we continue to. And so I, I just, for Juliet, who is so curious about everything that all these amazing NFL women do. I was like, we really need to get, you really need to meet Erica and listen to her NFL journey and her life journey. So thank you for, for joining us today. And thank you for having me. And Cindy, I feel like it's been longer than 2013, but I definitely remember when we met. And um, when you said you came on board, Lord knows you came in and you've just been helping us out so tremendously. So thank you. My pleasure. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay, so we're going to dive into this. And as I've said, I know you've said you've listened to a couple of the other episodes. So I am super curious, but I'm also fascinated with all the stuff that you guys juggle. We've talked about it, you know, many times. We're, you know, we're all moms. And and just because you were in the NFL doesn't make you different um, in a certain aspect than someone else because you birthed your children, you have children, you're, you know, married, all of those things. But I would love for you just to give us a little insight so the listeners can hear a little bit about who Erica Lasseter is, where you grew up. A little bit of a background would be awesome. Oh, yeah, definitely. So Erica Lasseter is the daughter of Robert and Shirley Corbin. Um, Both are um, deceased, but I grew up in Newport News, Virginia. Um, I have background in Gloucester, Virginia as well, where my father's from. So I feel like I, I thought I was in a nice big city and went to the weekends to the country with my dad. Um, but when I got out to see the world, it, it's not as big as I thought. So, but born and raised in Newport News, Virginia, I went to college um, in, in Norfolk. So I kind of stayed in the area. So most of my young adult life in my you know adolescent life was in the Tidewater area of Virginia. I am a, a mom. Um, I'm a real estate agent. I'm a auntie because uh, my nieces always let me know that I forget about them, but they know they don't. I don't. But, um, and then I also, you know, a dear friend and a, you know, a philanthropist. I love that. And so what did you study? Where did you go to? Did you go to university and what did you study there? 
Yeah, so I went to Norfolk State University. It's a historical black university, um, and I studied management computer information systems. Um, I was in the School of Business, and I just had an amazing time there. It's, it's one of those things that I really hope everybody gets to experience in their college life, just some memories that you'll always you know, treasure. Right. No, I totally agree. I, I say to my kids all the time, you just, you, ha- you have to, and it's college is not for everyone. So I do want to say that right. it's not for everyone, but if it's meant for you, just enjoy it and just soak everything in that you can learn about when you're in college, just different things about yourself. So when you graduated, what, what did that look like? Where did you end up and um, what kind of path did that take you to, you know, where you are now? Yeah. So I, um, when I graduated, I thought I was going to go up to the um, DMV area. Um, grades that I had and, you know, just the interest that I had in the tech field, I was thought I was going to work in the DMV area. I've had several interviews. However, um, my husband, uh, which was my boyfriend at the time, was at the University of Kansas. And he's just like, you know, you told me after you left school, you would come this way. Um, And he ended up getting injured and breaking his collarbone. And I think that kind of speeded up the process. And I was able to move out there, um, help him through his injury. And I started my life in Kansas, Lawrence, Kansas, uh, is, you know, outside of Norfolk being the first time I was really on my own, uh, really being away from family, just him and I, it was Lawrence, Kansas. Wow. Okay. So you were, so I, I now I need to know how you met Kwame. So he was in a different space and you were graduating yeah. college. So when did, when did that all happen? Uh, we met in high school, 11th you grade. Did. We started, yeah. We, um, long story short, there was a dance that was coming up, which we called our ring dance, which is a junior prom for most schools. And um, way before that, we were, you know, of course, talking and getting to know each other. Um, and we started dating December 10th. Um, oh, I'm sorry. December 10th was the date of the dance. 11-27-87 was the date. We, we started dating it. It's a long story behind it, but we were on the phone for 12 hours that night. It was Thanksgiving break and woke up still on the phone with each other and decided we were going to go together is what the term was back then. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love that. So you, so you guys met, so you were in high school together and I, you know, that is always something that's special to me. My sister met her husband and they're still married. Um, I was always the one that, um, and it's going to make me sound like a hussy, but I wasn't, I'm not a hussy, <laughs> but I always had, you know, I, I never was in very long-term relationships for a long period of time. I did have a long-term high school boyfriend, but I was the type of, that I was wanted to meet new people. Like I loved to learn about people um, until my husband. And then, and then I settled down. But so I love that you guys knew when you met, you knew, and then you, you won't both went to colleges in different spots. Yeah. He went to university. Oh, actually, he actually went out to Butler County. Um, where one of my two of my sons went to as well, Lisa Juco um, in Kansas, El Dorado, Kansas, and then transferred over to the University of Kansas. And I finished in four years um, and I was able to get out of there and get over to Kansas right after I got done. That's amazing. Okay. So I, can you, and I, again, because I'm curious, I know how my sister and her husband at the time, he could not handle being away from her. So he dropped out of his school, went to school in Philadelphia, and then she ended up leaving her school. And then they both went back up to his school, which was University of Maine. Um, and my, you know, my parents, oh my God, what's going on? They were, they were like, you can't do that. You need to sow your oats a little bit. You can't just be with this, you know, you know, you know how that goes. So what did that look like? How was college life being separated exactly yeah it was um well it was it wasn't easy for either of us but i was able to stick to the plan (laughs) while i was away from school him not so much which is a whole different episode that we'll get into too yet (laughs) but um it was basically that conversation is just like hey you told me you were going to move out here 
you know, he was hurt. If we're going to be together, you got to come now. And he's like, and you, and the way he said it, you're scared of your mom because my mom was not playing. She's like, you do not check up. You you get married, you don't check up. That was what she said. Right. Um, so I told her I was going out to, you know, Kwame got hurt and I was going to go to graduate school at the University of Kansas. I went through the ropes, but, you know, we needed money. So I went right to work. I started working at Lawrence Memorial Hospital, um, you know, just getting, plugging myself in, um, you know, wasn't supposed to be living work with him, but I did until I was able to move out with some some girls that I've met, some dear girlfriends now that are more like sisters to me. Um, so yeah, that was our journey. We, I, I, I did, I went out there and I'm glad I did. You know, it, I, I will say between high school, college, University of Kansas, I've met some lifetime friends that, you know, I wouldn't trade for the world. Plus you had a sorority, Erica, too, that probably was helpful for you when you were separated from, you know, Kwame during school, right? Well, not at, no, not at that time. I wasn't, no. you know, I was strictly, you know, just going to school, learning, um, you know, trying to get out, trying to figure out what I wanted. And then, you know, just doing what everybody do, party, having, having a good time, being where you're supposed to be. But because I, you know, kind of a brainiac, too, I got my work done. So I was able to get out there with honors in four years. Um and probably would have stayed in the area just a little bit longer, especially because I had that job opportunity. But, you know, when your man calls and say, hey, if this is going to work, you better. And I was ready to try something new. I knew that was probably my opportunity to leave the area. So I did. And if you saw Kwame smile, you knew that there was nothing. <laughs> no say no. <laughs> yeah. And I, I still have all the letters that he wrote. And I back in the day, I numbered them, you know, number one from the first letter I got when we were in high school. All the way through college and i still have the box um i just told uh -huh. my kids to if anything happens to me burn them <laughs> but um <laughs> and they go uh, they go up to almost 200 something so just you know the letters and everything that the long distance that you know now people don't even mail letters but you know before just handed to each other in the hallways and then outside of that it was you know through the mail so i sometimes i um you know he he, he tracked me in through all that. So it was really good. He got me over there and, and I ended up being in Lawrence, Kansas. Right. That's so sweet, though. I love how you still have the letters, too, because and that is is something, you know, I have children as well. And I do. Uh, I, I have a box of middle school letters from like my friends. And I'm sure there's the high school ones in there somewhere. But and things. I love. <laughs> right. And I love looking at those and back and being like, oh, my God, I'm so crazy. Or like, oh, my gosh, how yeah. fun was that? You know, um, yeah. there is something that I, you know, I uh, think for our children that is different, that they don't have those, you know, written yeah. letters. And those written letters are really special. So I love that you that you 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 know you still have them. And um, as yeah. you said, you, if something happens to you, you maybe not want everyone to read them. Yeah. Uh <laughs> Just burn them and throw them in the ashes with me and your dad because I, <laughs> I don't want them to hear any of the things we talked about. They'll be like, "Think she stayed so hard on us, but look at them." <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Wow. Well, that that's the thing, right? I mean, that's yeah. the thing. Um, exactly. So, okay. So then when you and Kwame were now in Kansas, what was he, he was finishing up school and you, you got a job and yeah. when did the whole NFL come into play? Um, so in 1995, he finished up his uh, senior year at Kansas and he wasn't drafted. He was actually um, free agent for uh Arizona Cardinals. I had again got another job in Kansas City. Things weren't so hot. And I was just like, you know what? At that time, I got a job offer, $24,000. I went to Kansas City. I found me a one bedroom studio. I was excited. Um, but he left and uh, he was just like, well, I'm not in Kansas anymore. Why are you going to stay there? And I was just like, well, you know, go make the team. I'll come to your game. We'll figure everything out. 
Um, in the midst of all this, we had a 626 Mazda, 84 626 Mazda. He said, I need my stuff. You know, mind you, you're in the NFL. You could probably, as soon as you get there, make the team, get your check. I could ship your stuff. But he wanted me to bring him his stuff. So I put everything in the 626 Mazda, whatever I couldn't fit. My girlfriend's um, mother held in her garage. Um, and I, I trucked along, made my way all the way across Kansas to Arizona by myself, by way of Dallas. Um, and I learned a lot. I mean, I, I, had, I had just, we had, me and him both were going to church in Kansas. So I had just gotten saved. So I was learning a lot about listening to, you know, gospel music. So I did a lot of cassette tapes. So one time I had, you know, four hours, I listened to Tupac. The next four hours I was listening to gospel. I was just balancing the best of both worlds all the way there. And I made it, you know, by the grace of God, there were no cell phones. My mom wired me money. I had to stop at, you know, Western unions in different cities, call her, you know, from where I, where I was just to let her know I made it safely. So it's been a journey. I forget about some of this stuff, but that's, that's my uh, trip from Newport News all the way, making it here to Arizona. I love it. I love that Tommy said, I'm not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> he did. He didn't want me to stay there for sure. He wanted me out of there. But I had every intention of bringing the stuff back because they held my job for me in Kansas for three weeks. So I was. I knew he couldn't go get set up by himself. So I, I was going to get the apartment, get him set up, prayfully first let him make the team, and then, you know, we figure it out. So that was the whole game plan. Um, he made the team, and we got the apartment, and when it was time for me to go back, I was. I didn't go back. And so when I called the job, the man was like, I already posted your job. He said, I didn't see you coming back. I posted it two weeks ago. I was like, oh, you know, so, but I went right to work in Kansas. I mean, I went right to work here in Arizona. So it worked out perfect. Wow. So, and you know what, this is one of the things that you said that I love. And Cynthia, this is, you know, I, I love watching you also reminisce is every time I have, you know, a guest on, you guys go back and it's fun to think about those times, especially, oh, yeah. especially the good times, right? It's good to, to kind of yeah. like go back in there and be like, ah, oh, I, you know, you get that feeling, right? You get that feeling in your stomach again when you were driving across and you, the way you explained it was so perfect. I could picture the yep. car. I can yeah. picture you listening to your music, you know, calling <laughs> your mom from the payphone. I'm here. I'm here. You know, um, it's just, it's such a beautiful thing. So is that where you and Cynthia, is, is that where you guys met in Arizona? No, yeah. we met many years later after, after Kwame's career ended. Okay. And I thought you had said that in the beginning, but then of course I was like, wait a second. I know that Michael was in, you know, with. We their- were in Arizona until 93 and then we went to Philadelphia. So Michael, I had all my babies in Arizona and it was like the best place, met the best people, all of our dearest friends. And then we left in 93, uh, right after Aiden was born, and went to Philly. So it was just cool when Eric and I met. And it was like, my husband was a safety. Me too. He played, or what? what? You know, that's just so crazy that we both experienced that, you know, awesome. Arizona's just such, isn't it such a beautiful place to live and play and the whole bit? Yeah, I'm 26 years in. I love it. Wow, that is great. Now, so when when did when was Kwame in Arizona? Because now I need to, and I know 1993 with Michael, but when? So what year was he? So he started. He was here 95 to 2002. Got it. Okay. Okay, that's so cool. And it's crazy that right, you guys just missed each other there. We did. Yeah. Right. And so that's going to bring me to like a little bit of a conversation. So that's the thing. Like you don't know. I always say this, and I say this on all my podcasts, on my live show. You really never know who you're going to cross paths with, right? And you don't know when the time is that you're going to cross paths with, and what does it mean? Not every person you meet, there's a meaning behind it. I'm not saying that. <laughs> so I'm going to have people right. thinking every single person you meet that that's not it. But later, 
sometimes it comes about that you remember having a in- encounter that you did you know, paths did cross. So I don't know if you know this, Erica, but I actually babysat Cynthia and Michael's kids in Philly. So when I was 16 and 17 years old, because I grew up right outside of Philadelphia in a small town, New Jersey, where Cynthia's um, in Morristown, where Cynthia's sister lives. And my mom was a kindergarten teacher. So my mom actually taught all of the Tuscanis. And so when, and I babysat them. So that's how our uh, paths crossed all those years ago. And so when I started my podcast, um, I always remember being a 16 and 17. I know Cynthia, she, she chuckles and she's always like, oh, I, I make her blush on this. But I remember just being like, oh, she is so cool. She is so cool. When I, She's so cool, right? When I'm a mom, I want to be like her. Like, look, she's doing this photography stuff and she's got these three amazing kids and a, such a cool husband. Like, I, you know, I, I looked up to her and I'm not one that's like, oh, I want to be like someone. But I just remember being like, that's an awesome woman. So when I started the podcast interviewing people that had followed a passion and turned it to a business, my year next stop, she came right to my mind. I was like, I have to interview Cynthia. And so that's how we got back into contact with each other. And then when after hearing, you know, Cynthia's full story, which I didn't know the full story, I was like, we have to have this platform for other NFL women because yeah. we don't think about it. We don't think about, and I, again, I, I call myself the lay person, the person that's not in the NFL, but what it's like, you know, you're now following your boyfriend, the person that you fell in love with. You didn't know that you were going to fall in love with them, but you want to support because this is also their dream. But then what happens to your dreams? Can you touch on that a little bit? Yeah. So um, I I tried to stay as long as I could to follow my dreams. And, you know, I knew I wanted as a little girl, I knew I wanted to be in. I wanted to own something. I wanted to be a leader. I wanted to be in a business world, but I didn't really know what it was. So after you graduate from college, you still don't know. I mean, I have family right now still degrees don't know what they want to do with it. But when I got out to Arizona and I got the effort, well, first, when I was in Kansas and I got a job, I mean, $24,000 $24,000 coming from Newport News, Virginia. I thought I was on top of the world. <laughs> right. So when I got out to Kansas, I, um, I mean, I'm sorry, when I got to Arizona, I went to a temp agency and I was just doing a little bit of everything. You know, um, I was driving downtown and ironically, um, I was working at a law office downtown. I was just filing stuff, you know, all day, eight hours a day. I was filing things. Um, so I, um, started another tip agency that I was trying to, you know, get a hold of. But the day that I was on my way to work, I got in a car accident. The exact same time Kwame broke his ankle in practice. <gasps> the same day, same time. It was, um, it was one of those things. So we're both broke down, busted him, helping me sit up so I can go to the bathroom, me helping with his, him with his ankle. I'm barely walking. He's on crutches, getting him to surgery. And we're both stuck in bed in in Arizona less than, what, a few months after we got here. It was crazy. That is crazy. And (laughs) the fact that it happened all at the same time, those are, I also think, not coincidences. Um, Did you guys really bond? Like, did you even bond more during that time? Was there anything? Yeah. Yeah, we had to. um, Because we were, you know, first of all, it was devastating for him. He finally got to his dream, right? He finally got in the NFL. He didn't get recruited. He... um, he, he walked onto a team and made it finally proven himself in his first year he's on IR, you know? Oh. So that was devastating. So I had to deal with that. But I mean, he knew I had his back. I moved all the way from Norfolk to go deal with a broken collarbone that we knew was going to heal itself. So, you know, I, I was there, you know, with him through that process and just kind of 
you know, trying to help them through it and trying to understand, look, what God has for you. And I tell my kids this every day, what God has for you is for you. So your day in the NFL is coming back. Unfortunately, you're going to be home with me for a couple of weeks getting on my nerves, but we're going to get through this. <laughs> you know, you know how they are when they're sick, you know, um, outside of a bell. But literally, we helped each other because when I tell you my and I still have back problems, but when he had to literally lift me up, you know, to sit me up so we can go to the bathroom and he got his ankle. It was a hot mess. And thank God we didn't have the video cameras back then on our phones because I would love to see videos from, you know, our time you know, in our apartment, not too far from this uh, right. TV facility. So, Right. So, okay. So that, yeah, that, and that's, again, I mean, Cynthia and I have talked about this before and I've talked about, you know, with some of the other women, when your, your spouse, your boyfriend gets hurt, when that's there, this has been their dream. Like, so yeah. you're not only there helping him, you know, physically, but I'm sure you're also helping him mentally because he has to be beating himself up, right? Like, what if, what if it's all this is happening? Yeah. So it's not, right? You're not only just like a support system, you're more than a support system, an NFL spouse. Yeah. And that's something that I don't think a lot of people really appreciate or think about. Like your yeah. role as an NFL spouse is, is really, you know, multi-layered. It is definitely. And you're multitasking a lot. Um, but like you said, you know, once we whatever he needed me, I was there for him, you know, and that was still the day he died. And that was pretty much how, um, how it went. And likewise, you know, um, he, it might have to tough for me to do something sometimes. But when I tell you, if, if I called and I, I needed something, he was there. So um, no doubt about that. Um, so yeah, we, we supported each other. Um, I didn't want to drive for a while after I um, got in that car accident. So we only had one car and I worked the night shift. So he would get off of work from um, Arizona Cardinals, uh, you know, come home, we do dinner, I go to sleep, and then he have to get up at 11 and take me to work. And then in the morning when I got off work, thank God, Honeywell, it was called Allied Signal at the time, and the Cardinals facility was across the street from each other. I walked across the parking lot and I got the car, I drove home, got sleep, came back, picked him up. I mean, we did that up until my child was, until I got pregnant, um, but yeah. That was pretty much our journey, our first couple of years, our first year in the NFL. You know, I want to say, and I, don't, I think that this might be something that a lot of people don't realize, is that I, I know I can speak for myself, and it seems like I could speak for you as well. Although it's like the player's dream to make it in the league, and we realize that, and we respect it, like all dreams. Um, what a lot of people don't realize is that we just happen to fall in love with guys that... Yeah. To pursue that dream. So I know for myself, um, when my husband went through and it was like, it's difficult for a, a lot of guys to like get in the league and to stay in the league. And so we were newly engaged and he had been drafted late into um, the Chargers in San Diego. And so when he got released, I was actually excited because he was coming home. And I was like, oh, Michael's coming home. And all my friends were like, does she know that that's not a good thing? Like, does she know that that's not a good thing. <laughs> I would be like, oh, Michael's going home. I'm gonna, oh, I'm gonna go get Michael at the airport. And it happened like three times, you know. And every time, I was so happy to see him. And I was aware that this was his dream, but I wasn't. It wasn't going to change anything for me. It was just going to be like this guy I loved, whatever he did, you know. Same. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't know that until just now that because we went to the Chargers after we left. Um, Arizona. So we had two stops together. <laughs> that's crazy. That's How cool is that? Oh yeah. my God, that's crazy that you guys had two stops. Yeah, weird. Yeah. Very weird. That's so fun. 
Yeah. And I, and yeah. I, so, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Okay. Erica. No, I no, was I, just going to say, so I did try, try to continue my dream and I actually took maternity leave when I had my first son. Um, we call him KJ, but Kwame the second. Uh, and then, you know, when that six or 12 weeks was up, I think I extended it. It was, you know, my child's not going to daycare. You better just try to figure out, you know. And at that time, I was really, you know, enjoy being a mom. But I knew that once you leave your career, it's hard to get back in. And I never did get back into the IT. Well, I did. I did later down the line, but um, 2008. But I never did get back into that aspect that I was in. Right. So then, then, so from that journey, right? So you had your first son. And then where was Kwame in, in the NFL at that time? Um, two years in, still so we, we stayed in Arizona until 2002. So uh, KJ was born in, we got married in 97 and he was born in 98. So we're going into our, I think our third season then. Got it. And then how, because how many kids do you have right now? In, in, <laughs> I know. I was yeah, I have, yeah. So I have five boys right now. Uh, KJ was born and it's another long story, but KJ was born in 1998 and the twins were born in 2000. And I went to the see the American underdog, uh, Cindy, when we were together. Yeah. So I got pregnant with the twins in 2000 at that uh, uh, Super Bowl party after they won the Super Bowl. Isn't that, that crazy? That is crazy. That is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I pinpointed it down to that day and they actually came 10 weeks early. Um, in between KJ and uh, the twins, I adopted my nephew uh, who was six years old at the time. So that made four boys. And I don't know what year it was, but several years later, I, uh, have his biological brother. So it's five of them. Right. So yeah, five sons of mine. That's yours. So I was, uh, I, I have, there's five of us in my house, but there's four girls and a boy. And so I always, um, it always makes me smile because big families are, you know, close. I, I have three, I have three, my husband stopped us at three, but I got two dogs because I tried to get that fourth. And he was like, Oh my God. I'm, and he, we were older when we started. So he was like, I can't have any more kids. Yeah. And so we got the two dogs. Um, so how, if you can take us through a little bit, um, when the twins were born, was that, where, where was Kwame in his career? You know, what were you, where are you guys in Arizona? I'm assuming, you know, what was yeah. life looking like then? Yeah, we were always in Arizona. Um, so well, through my pregnancies, we were always in Arizona. So all my kids were born here. Yeah. So everything was, you know, the same. You had doing everything you have to do as a mother or wife and taking care of home, taking care of the kids, getting them back and forth to school. KJ was actually modeling at that time. So lugging up three kids to go do that. Eric was in school, I believe. So dropping him off, uh, it was nonstop. You know, that's pretty much how it was. <laughs> All the way through the graduation. You know, in the midst of that, um, you know, my nieces came out to live with me for a brief moment. Um, I do have stepdaughters that, you know, we would have on weekends and, um, you know, so it was just different things and we had a good time. So I enjoyed every minute of everything, you know. Um, sometimes, it was hard, but if you look back at it now, once you get through the storm, it's all a blessing. Right. Um, and that's something, you know, I, again, when we talk about being a mother, right, of being a wife, um, just because your world looks a little different doesn't make it, you know, we're more alike than we are not alike, right? So as a mother wakes up, 
has their child, their child's waking up in the middle of the night. You know, you were going through the same thing, even though you had a husband that was in the NFL, just Cynthia, the same, just, just because Michael was in the NFL doesn't mean. And so that's the thing that a lot of people, um, you know, and I know we've talked about it with many of the other women, you know, put you guys in a different category or put you on a pedestal or have, you know, different thoughts about what an NFL spouse or NFL girlfriend looks like. And really we're more alike than we're, we're not. We go through hard times. Um, and just because you guys are in the league doesn't mean you're not going to go through the hard times and feel, you know, feel life. So can you take us a little bit through, um, you know, what happened with Kwame and then, and then what came out, uh, on the other side with the charities and, and that? Yeah. So, um, Kwame, uh, so he was diagnosed through, uh, going to a brain and body assessment from the NFL that they provided. He was diagnosed with, um, an enlarged heart. And I think that was 2011. Um, since then, I mean, literally, I think as soon as he he was diagnosed, he started having symptoms, but cause you know, something would happen, but he really didn't know what it was, you know, it was just like, oh, yeah. but then it kind of explained he had a lot of fluid on his heart. I remember him taking KJ to, um, in, MLB all-star game and um, my friend junior was like he could barely walk he had so much fluid on his heart mm. so you know after you know going through the transition or you know getting that off starting medication seeing different cardiologists uh, basically he was just treating treating his enlarged heart and everything he had um, based on you know high blood pressure something else um, that basically he was just being seen for so life kind of took a little swift change on, you know, eating habits and everything that he was doing, working out, just kind of making sure, okay, look, I got to do this, this, and this. And uh, for the most part, it was good. You know, we went to the doctor appointments. It got to the point where we're going yearly, not regularly, just yearly. Um, And then it was in the last few years prior to his death that he was um, told that, you know, basically he needed to, the percentage of his infraction rate was very low. Um, I think it had gotten down to 20% and we got it up back up to 40. Um, and then it was just always encouraged that he get a pacemaker. You know, it would just be like, um, if something should happen, if you have a pacemaker, then, you know, it, it would kick back in. Um, and he was just adamant about not doing it. He was very adamant about not doing it. So he uh, basically just said, look, I don't want any foreign objects in my body. I will do everything that you tell me to do, um, but I'm not getting a pacemaker. And he was just stubborn in that matter. And, you know, I just had to honor his res- his wishes and he didn't do it as much as I, you know, drilled him in his head. He needed to. And the reasons why he needed to, you know, um, it's just not something he, he was very stubborn. So it didn't happen. Um, yeah, he was actually working out at the gym when, uh, his heart stopped. Oh, Erica, I'm sorry. My heart goes out to you guys because again, that's now you're in a, in a, in a different role. Yeah. And and now you're the mom and the dad and 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 helping your your children through this as you're mourning, and mm-hmm. um and you were still doing other things right you still had to live life you were still um yeah. doing stuff for the NFL and and so if you can take us through a little bit of of that because I know you know Cynthia speaks so highly of you um just amount amount of things and I know she chuckled in the beginning when you said you know, you always wanted to be a leader and, and have a role like that. She, I don't know if you noticed when she was like, Oh, well you, you are, and you're doing that. So, you know, I know that, um, you know, you, you were off the field chairperson, what for, it was 18 years. I was in it. President. It was 12. Yeah. President for 12, but I was a part of the organization for 18 years. Yep. 18 years. And then you yeah. also from, um, you know, Kwame's pathing, passing, you started a foundation in his name as well. Can you take us through, you know, those two upper, mm-hmm. you know, Oh, yeah. That's not true. 
Yeah, well, I'll explain it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's, um, there's, yeah, there's, you know, there's, it's kind of crazy because there's so much to talk about with Erica, but, um, you know, the Kwame Lasser Foundation has more to do with Quincy and sickle cell. Yes, you know, that's right. Together. Yeah. So all this time that we've been talking about so many wonderful things, I'm also realizing all the things, like every single thing that Erica does in her life, she's a leader, whether it is the mom, the friend, the president of Off the Field, the president of the Kwame Lasser Foundation, everything she does, she is a leader that you can rely on. So, you know, I'm just loving, you know, the opportunity to have this conversation. So like, yes. Um, and, the, and the other thing I want to say, Erica, is I remember the last thing that you said to Kwame when he went to go work out and you said, we're good. And, um, and I always think when I say goodbye to anybody, I'm always thinking of that, like that this could possibly be the last time, you know, or the last word or what I say. And, you know, when my husband leaves, I'm, I'm really, I just remember it. I'm cognizant of the fact that whatever I say could be something I hold on to. And, and I know that you looked at that as a, one of the many signs that you get from Kwame that oh, you. Gosh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So um, just to, um, talk about what Julie mentioned. Uh, yes, I was still president at the time of his death. And it was important to me because we were playing January, we we're planning a, a fashion show. That's pretty much how, you know, our whole month is just bogged down with fashion show. But in the midst of this, I had to plan a memorial service. Um, mm -hmm. So thank God for the team stepping up while I was planning the memorial service. But much like um, when my mom passed away, I was planning a class reunion. The day after she passed away, I left to go do the class reunion because that's yeah. what she would, what wanted me to do. Um, after Kwame passed away, the night that I got home from the memorial service, the very next day I was on the plane to Super Bowl because that's what Kwame would have wanted me to do. Because mm -hmm. um, things have to continue, you know, things have to keep going. Was it tough? Yes. Was it hard? Did I cry? Yes. Um, did I put on that smile and do what I needed to do to make things, you know, you know, fall through in the organization, not that it was going to fall apart, but everything that I had, you know, in the works was going to successfully go off. And then I'll go deal with what I had to do with, you know, my breathing after. And that's pretty much how it happened, you know, for the most part. Um, the Kwame Lasseter Foundation um, has been ongoing since 1999, much like Cindy said. So that one was um, something that we, you know, we had annual events, so not so much was going on right then, but I knew after he passed away, it was going to go to a different level because I never wanted his legacy to die. And, I, and that's pretty much has been my focus, um, trying to make sure that I keep his legacy going. Um, number one, he loved himself, and I do want to make sure <laughs> that everybody continues to uh, love him. And you know, although we miss him, just cherish those moments that we had with him. Um, and as, as long as we can continue to do the things that he wanted and give back to the community and help those families with sickle cell and provide scholarships for students in need, um, that's, that's going to be what I do, you know, in honor of him. So having a child that's also sick, right. And right. having to, um, to juggle that again, that's, you know, we, a lot of us have gone through certain things. So what was that like juggling? And I'm sorry, and Cynthia might want to jump in and, and say something else. Cynthia, I was basically saying having a child, you know, with sickle cell, um, you know, what does that look like as, as mom and, um, and, and a wife and, and becoming a unit and all working together to kind of figure this out. Um, yeah. Because I, I did read a little bit about it. You guys didn't know, you know, take us, can you take us through a little bit of that? 
Yeah. So um, as, as a child growing up, uh, one of the things that I, I was always told is that I had a sickle cell trait and to make sure you don't marry anybody with a trait because your child could have sickle cell. So it was always in the back of my mind. But, you know, when you fall in love, you don't think about and, and you're 15, 16, you don't think about, hey, do you have sickle cell trait? You know, right. by the time I did ask, it was way too late. We were, you know, I think married or, you know, oh, I think we did talk about it, but not to the point where it mattered because it still didn't matter. Um, so once Quincy was born, uh, the doctor came in and said, hey, he has high fetal hemoglobin and there's a chance he'll have sickle cell anemia. And I, one of the twins, and I just cried like a baby. Number one, they're in the NICU. Number two, he's giving me this news. Number three, I can't hold my children. Mm. Um, so it was just a lot. They were born 10 weeks early. So, um, but I knew then, I was like, you know what? It's not going to defeat us. He's going to be fine. I'm going to do everything I need to do to care for my child. And he's going to be just fine. And that's what I did. I learned about sickle cell. I learned, you know, tried to learn more about the community. There was um, a very small sickle cell community when we got here. Um, not a lot of involvement. So that's what made me and him decide that we have to change that. Because we knew there's families here with sickle cell. We knew there were families that um, needed support. And we knew that families probably had questions like we did. So we had to go find that group. And at that time, it was called Quest for Cure. So we attended their events, you know, and got to know, know a lot of people in the community. Um, and then that, that foundation closed because it's not a lot of resources and people are, are um, able to assist or were assisting. So um, that's what we filled in and we stepped in and say, hey, we're not going to let this stop. We're going to do what we have to do. We'll provide the support these families need um, out of our pockets because we weren't raising funds for years. We didn't raise funds. It was just basically out of our pockets. Um, and then we started with the fundraising a few years, not too long ago, maybe at least 10 years ago now. Uh, and, and continue to this day. So we have um, an annual golf tournament. We used to have a bowling event, um, which we're hoping to bring that back as well. So we're hoping to just continue to do what we can in the sickle cell world. Um, I, I do um, still get calls from families. I'm still a part of the, the board here. The Sickle Cell Foundation of Arizona has since launched. Uh, so I serve on the board with uh, those people and just share my experiences, share you know what I've done with KLF and how I could help in the uh, sickle cell community as far as being a member of that board, but also the way I want to give back and the way we want to be able to um, assist and bless families. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. And really quickly, because now I know I, I you know, heard about sickle cell, you know, when I'm growing up or you hear, hear about it in school. Can you just give anyone that's, you know, either driving or like, okay, I know I've heard of it, but what is actual sickle cell anemia? It's a hereditary blood disorder. And so your bloods form a sickle shape. And when it does, it's like a crescent moon shape. And it um, prevents the blood flow through your, your organs and throughout your body. And it's a very excruciating pain. Um, sometimes it limits the flow getting to certain organs, why organs fail. Um, why, you know, there's strokes that happen, why it doesn't get to your lungs. My son went through um, 16 years of just excruciating pain. He's had, prior to him uh, going through a bone marrow transplant and being cured, I think he had three bouts with pneumonia, two with ACS, and that's called acute chest syndrome. He was only in ICU once. Um, and I think at that point, you know, is when we took a turn, like, hey, we, we need to learn more about this cure that's out there for sickle cell. We need to learn and see if Quincy qualifies. Um, we tested uh, our, our boys, because uh, he only has two biological brothers, you know. Um, so we tested them, and um, I think the two 
Kwame and Quentin matched each other, but nobody matched Quincy, not even his twin. Uh, so we end up having to be listed on the registry. And that process, much like anybody else's on registry for either organs or whatever they need, is a long process. You know, um, gratefully, he was able to have his name pulled up and called saying, hey, we got a match. In 2014, we went through the processes of preparing for the transplant, which was a lot. He didn't want to do it. It was fearful for him. It was fearful for me. But he also know that he didn't want to continue to live life different, you know, because he didn't get to go play outside because he'd get, you know, he'd lose his breath. He didn't, if it got cold, he went into a crisis. If we went to a water park, he was going straight to the hospital right after, you know, he couldn't get in the water. So he developed the love of playing video games, which is what he does on a daily basis now um, with going to school and trying to make a career out of that. So um, yeah, he just wanted, he wanted a different life. So even, you know, up until I think it was 14 when we went in for the first meeting, it was not something he, you know, they tell you all the worst things that could happen. And at 14 years old, I was like, why did you talk about that in front of my kid? You know, right. hear all that. You know, it's already hard for me to hear. But he said they basically have to share everything so that they're aware. But I am extremely blessed that everything worked out well. You know, this transplant, yes, we went through a lot. And there was things that didn't work out so well. But in the end, he lives sickle cell free. There is no more pain. He gets in the pool. He throws the football. He runs up the street. Whatever he wants to do, he doesn't experience any of that anymore. And we go to the doctor once a year rather than a couple times a month, you know. Amazing. So. Oh my gosh, that's such so that's everyone can shout out where they can find um, yeah. Because, you know, I'm sure someone has heard about, you know, uh, sickle cell and are like, wait, I want to know more that, you know, this, what your story yeah. is about. Yeah. So pretty much you could Google sickle cell anemia um, just to learn a little bit more about the disease itself. Um, Kwame's story, uh, Quincy's story is on um, uh, several, if you type in Quincy, K-W-I-N-C-Y, Lassiter, L-A-S-S-I-T-E-R, you'll learn all about his journey of finding his donor, his journey of going through the bone marrow transplant. Uh, we are very heavy advocates for Be The Match. We want to make sure that more African Americans and minorities uh, donate to be a match so that other families can actually find someone to match and get cured from sickle cell if they so choose and able to, because not everybody qualifies for a bone marrow transplant. But for those that are, I would love to see every single cell person that can qualify for a bone marrow transplant, receive one and live healthy through it. Because um, I know there's been some that don't don't make it through. So I'm just grateful that God chose that. Yes, Quincy survived and Quincy did make it through um, and did an outstanding job. And he, I looked at a video the other day from 2016 when he came home to the child he is now. So I went like this to looking like this because he's grown. He's always been the smallest of the punch, you know. Um, he's just grown so much and he's just like a man, you know, 21 years old now. So it's a big difference. And what a gift that you guys were able to find it and the hard work that he was able to see, you know, his parents like, you know, fighting for him and wanting to make something better. And then you guys talking and that's, you know, when Cynthia said, when you said, I always wanted to be a leader. Now I even get it more and more. I mean, I knew, you know, some of the backstory. So that's amazing. Cynthia, did you, I know you wanted to jump in before Chucky decided. Oh, I know. Chucky went crazy, but no, really, I would like um, to move forward. Um, well, what, what I was going to say is that everybody that spoke at Kwame's memorial said that he had called him the day before or that week. <laughs> he just called everybody. And everybody that was in his life, he had constant conversations with, like in contact with. And he would just kind of 
get involved with your life. And that's what I loved hearing at the memorial so much is how much he was involved in everybody's life. Just calling people, like I was thinking about you, this is what I want you to do. This is what I think you should do. <laughs> so. He was everybody's best friend. I, you know, when people introduce themselves, hey, I was Kwame's best friend, hey, you know, like, oh, okay, yeah, everybody. I mean, he did so much for so many people. I, I listened to some of the stories that, you know, the players share with me. Um, uh, a lot of people, I that first time I went to um, a Super Bowl event after and I was by myself a lot of people of course it had just happened they would come up and just say hey I gotta tell you Kwame did this Kwame did that mm. some things I knew but for the most part he was very private so and he was always about not sharing other people's business so he if he did something he never right. he never told me about it sometimes I knew and sometimes I didn't um, and not, and most of the times I didn't know is because I had to help him help the person get out of whatever the situation was so but <laughs> he did so much for people he was a very loving and caring person a very giving person you know so I wasn't surprised to hear that I enjoyed the stories that were shared and I think the memorial is exactly how he would have wanted it to be um, you know people just share those stories with him and we you know I think when I was trying to figure out how to do it and I wanted somebody to speak every aspect of his life, I think it was just perfect, you know, and, and God just kind of revealed that to me, you know, cause I broke it, Julie, I broke it up into quarters. So I broke the memorial up into first quarter, second quarter, and it was just each aspect of his life from, oh, you amazing. know, from, you know, childhood to high school, college at Butler, college at KU. And then NFL. so it was awesome. And I, I think everything that, um, you know, people said about him was definitely uh, something he he would have loved to hear, you know, and, um, and, and the way he lived his life. So I, I was proud and I was happy. And um, it was definitely something that helped us, you know, get through the healing process. Uh, prior to that day, I didn't sleep. I had a constant knot in my stomach. I could barely eat. Um, and that was going on 20 days. And after that day, I slept like a baby at the hotel. That night, I slept like a baby at the hotel. The knot was gone. Everything had changed. And I started my journey of healing at that point. Oh, that's beautiful. And you know what? He's listening right now, chuckling, going, yep, that's my lady, right? I love all this talk about me. So that's beautiful. And 42 pops up everywhere in Erica's life. And she'll share it with all of us. Like just anywhere she goes, a 42 will appear. And that's, you know, of course, a wonderful sign. Yeah, and daily dreams too. So, I mean, um, for the most part, every night there's a vivid dream. Um, so I, I definitely enjoy sleeping because I, I that's the time that. I get to spend with it. Oh my God, I love that. Oh, I love that because yeah. I love to dream too. So I, that's so special. Right. Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, definitely want to say too, though, besides, you know, um, going to find information about, you know, sickle cell in general, but definitely would love to let everybody know how to go to the Kwame Lasseter Foundation. Yeah, it's um, the Kwame Lasseter Foundation.org. Um, oh. We are in the process of updating it because of the, the golf tournament that's coming up. So I don't know the current status as of last week. It was looking pretty good, almost there. So hopefully um, it's, uh, it's up and almost ready, and, uh, but the information should be available. Beautiful. Wonderful. And then, you know, off the field is just something that we could have a whole show and everything in your legacy as the president, you know, off the field. Um, It's just something that, you know, Erica just ran such a loving, smooth, 
operation as the president of Off the Field. And um, I, I've learned so much just now being honored to be on, uh, being on the board. I learned so much every meeting. I learned so much about grace, about like working together as women um, to achieve an amazing goal in everything that we do at Off the Field. Um, so transitioning this year from Erica going from president to her another role because as board members we are all very involved you know in everything that we do at off the field um, it's still it's you know it's it's been such a beautiful kind of transition because she of course is on hand making sure that it's smooth and that everybody you know in the executive committee is clear on how she did things and why it was so great, you know, and why it worked. So, so um, we are just kind of always pulling Erica in still, you know, and to um, pick her brains or to find out what we, what we do as we go into the next Super Bowl fashion show, which is off the field does more than the fashion show, but we are really busy with it right now because it's huge. So do, do, you, do you mind talking about it a little bit? Yeah, definitely. Like the, the off the field, just the fashion show so for the most part. <laughs> or both. So, um, yeah, so the journey with being the president of Off the Field was awesome. You know, basically, it was a learning experience. Um, I didn't know when I, you know, had that interview where my role was going to be. But when I was elected president, because um, Kwame was the one that told me, go for it. You know, you should definitely do it. And I, I remember sitting in the living room having an interview with the ladies on the phone. And then I was just like, okay, what do I do now? You know, I didn't know what I was doing. I really didn't. But I learned and I, I knew, you know, things that um, could help, you know, as far as make impacts on lives of NFL families, and then also be able to figure out how to grow this, how to get more people involved and how to get the relationship with the NFL. Because at that point, we really didn't have one, you know, and we've established that, you know, so now we have the um, a, the relationship that we want with the NFL. We have a relationship with the NFLPA, um, working with, you know, the NFL alumni, just making sure that everything that our members need, no matter where the information comes from, that we as an organization can provide it. So throughout the years, that's been our goal, you know, number one, increase our membership and be, you know, the help and the resource hub that we need for the NFL to these ladies. And in the midst of that, I've learned and got to know so many amazing women. And, you know, to this day, I, I have majority of the people in my phone, they can call me, they can, you know, reach out to me and they do, which is good, you know, and I point them in the right direction so uh, I know that Rachel and you and the rest of the executive committee are doing an amazing job and I love not being on as many calls as you guys are now that is a big change <laughs> because before I used to set them up have them you know everything take notes I mean now I just get to sit back and chew on my you know whatever I got in my hand and listen speak <laughs> when it's my turn to speak so it's been it's been great and I've learned a lot you know just watching you know how People do it differently and just kind of seeing how the organization is definitely growing and changing and I'm, I'm loving every bit of it. So I'm excited about the fashion show in Santa Monica, you know, Sharice Brown, who actually is the founder, co-founder of the organization, but also the co-founder of the fashion show is back at the rims leading us again into another fabulous show for the 21st year. And I know it's going to be great. I'm excited to see, you know, how we do it again after coming back from a pandemic and, you know, having a live show. So uh, Santa Monica, uh, so far the people at Santa Monica Place, we've had great calls with them. Um, Mace Ridge, I've worked with twice um, at Arizona Fashion Shows. So to be able to work with that company again in Santa Monica and then next year uh, here in Arizona, it's just, you know, it's making things really nice, you know. Um, 
So I'm, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, that's going to be great for you that we're going to, first of all, have two years with them, but then also to come to Arizona. That's going to be a really like exciting time for you as well. So I think everybody's looking forward to kind of celebrating you and celebrating Arizona. So that will be, that's going to be phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. And Ashley's here with me. So we'll co-chair that together um, wow. here in Arizona. Um, so I'm excited. And we've worked with Kate before and um, Kate over at uh, Mainster. And she is amazing. She's much like you, Cindy. She she's doesn't miss a beat. She keeps us on our toes and um, she'll make sure the show is fabulous. too. So I'm, I'm excited for it. Um, and already, you know, I feel like as soon as we get done with another one, we start the other one. So I'm ready for it to try to just knock them both out and have all the planning done so that we can enjoy the year. Exactly. And you know what, Juliet, I don't know if you know this or not, but this last year, um, of course, with COVID, we did a really amazing production to celebrate 20 years of the fashion show. I'm talking wow. about always sold out the most incredible production, the most you know incredible event and the Super Bowl. And I know you're going to be there this year. So I'm really excited for you to, to see it and to see what happens. You won't believe it. But to celebrate 20 years, 20 successful years um, was incredible. So last year we didn't, we got to do it in a really special way with a wonderful production um, to kind of you know, pay homage to all the years before, but this year is really going to be kind of like another celebration, don't you think, Erica? I think uh, so. I think, yeah. you know, especially because it's Sharice's home, um, you know, so being back home, all of her friends are coming on board. Um, uh, Holly Robinson, Pete, and Cookie Johnson are co-honorary chairs. Um, then we have her girlfriend, Shalanda, who's kind of doing amazing a job with helping getting everything planned. So I think it's going to be great, you know, um, for her who started this. And I don't know if you saw the post this week when they posted like the first fashion show. It was maybe yeah. like a small group of ladies walking clothes from their closet. And to see what it is now, I just hope she's extremely proud um, of where it has come and how over the years we've just continued to grow. So it's going to be awesome. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure it's going to be star-studded. Heck, it's L.A. It's L.A. Yeah. yeah. It anybody wants to like look into it just go onto our website like offthefieldpwa.org that's where you can find um access to signing up for committees or becoming a model in the fashion show or um getting tickets you know for the fashion show or getting tables and even sponsoring um the fashion show so there's just if you just go to the site um or you know even reach out to Erica on Instagram or myself, um, Rachel McKenzie. Um, you know, I just feel like and anybody in off the field, if I'm sure in our communities, everybody's aware of like who we are, get involved in it, be there, um, come to the Super Bowl because the Super Bowl is the best networking event um, for, for women and players. Like if you're a player, former or current, you should be at the Super Bowl because I don't think a lot of people, we didn't realize that when we were playing. Um, we always just got rid of our tickets. We didn't know like that this is something you want to be a part of. You make such great friends. I feel like it's a family reunion for us. I mean, for a while, I was just like, oh, here comes Super Bowl because it's a lot of work. But once we get to relax and play a little bit, it's a big family reunion. And that's the only time we get to see a lot of people because most of the time you're all together on one team. A lot of people spread out to different teams. And, you know, now that we have social media, it's better. But before then, it was that's the one time you saw each other. Everybody saw each other at Super Bowl. Um, and it's something that me and Kwame enjoyed. My mother would always come out um, in November and she would stay through Super Bowl because we would go out. Yeah, the time 
Yeah. Oh, I, I love it. I love that. Oh, that's so special. What, Cynthia and, and Erica, are you allowed to talk about, isn't there um, a charity behind like every year when you do the fashion show? Can you, do oh. you want to touch on that a little bit? Like what? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Do you want me to Cindy? So this yeah. year's charity, yeah. this year's charity is the Holly Rob foundation. Um, and Holly, Holly Robinson Pete started the foundation. Her son um, had autism or well, has autism and she's been an advocate and a philanthropist and an activist for autism. I learned a lot through watching her and um, Don Newfield over the years um, share their journeys, much like them. I mean, I shared my journey about sickle cell, but learning more about sickle, um, autism through journey, um, but learning uh, more about autism and then recognizing it in my own family, you know, through those journeys and hearing everybody, through hearing everybody else's journey. Uh, I'm excited that we are um, highlighting autism, highlighting her foundation and giving, you know, um, Holly an opportunity, you know, to tell a little bit more about what they, they're doing right now and raising money for Holly Rod. Yep. Which is amazing. It's called Fashion on Spectrum, which I think is such a cool name. So that's the name of it. And, and I'm excited because we were actually with um, Holly and Rodney in Philadelphia together when the twins were born. So I had the pleasure of seeing those babies as newborns. So it's just like crazy when I look back on it. And, I, and, you know, and there's people listening, you know, I mean, uh, spectrum disorders touch so many people, and especially now, like I know James in the audience who's from Scotland. Um, he, I know he, you know, he has um, children. Uh, and there's just so many people out there, because I know he gave an applause, because it is something that is being talked about more, because it could just like, you know, it should just like sickle cell, just, you know, learning disability, dyslexia, because we all are different in some way, and all special and in, in special in the, in the best way. And so highlighting and talking about it and making it where it's like, no, it doesn't have to be a negative thing, right? There's negative things about everything. There's positive things about everything. But let's talk about the positive and let's highlight it and let's celebrate it um, is, is really important. So I love that you ladies are doing that. And again, I don't think that people realize that that's what you guys are doing. You're working really hard behind the scenes. And I believe it was Rachel McKenzie that said, um, Cynthia, have you... Um, and I think it was in her clip, like in, in my Instagram, and then you guys shared it as well. When you are uh, blessed with big things, you also have, yeah. a, you, I forget, and I don't, I'm terrible. Too at, much is given, much is required. I heard it, yeah. Thank you, because I'm, I'm yeah. the worst at re repeating <laughs> uh -huh. things. Yeah. And, right. and it's so true. And so that's what I want people to hear. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to have a platform where we can share stories like that, because it is like you guys, yes, we're blessed with things, but the things that you do in return are huge. And the, you know, the, the help and all the, you know, foundations that you're doing, like, I love that you started the sickle cell foundation because it was like, you know, we can do this and we want to put this out there. And, and, you know, how Holly's doing that for the autism is just special. And it just shows, you know, the, the, as again, the layers of who you guys are, right. Yeah. Who you guys are. And so, and I think that's really important. Um, it's turning what you're dealing with into, you know, pretty much your passion and, and the way that you're able to give back. And, you know, you don't know how many people you're helping, you know. So, like I said, I have two nephews, both I love dearly. One, um, when I used to go visit with him, he, extremely smart, always grabbed my hand, always ready to go get something to eat because it was some of the things that I did regularly with them. So I miss him a lot. And I wish, you know, I, I pray that he's doing well now. But the fact that we're doing autism really um, means a lot to me because I know that, you know, um, there's so many other families are, are dealing with much like, you know, Damani uh, deals with. So I just, you know, pray for each of them because it's not easy. 
no matter what medical challenges you have, it's not easy as a parent. Um, so being able to, um, you know, figure out how to help and provide resources or how to uh, basically just, you know, bring awareness to see what we can do to help those families. Sometimes it's just a matter of, you know, having somebody to talk to, you know, having a support group, you know. So that's pretty much that's yeah, that's yeah. wonderful, and that's what James in the audience just said. He want you know wants to be able to share that foundation. He's got two sons that are on the spectrum. Again, he's in Scotland, so this you know it's 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 not just here in the United States; it's around the world, and that's yeah, one of the reasons yeah. why this platform is great because we can touch so many different people. So, um, James, all in the show notes, it's gonna you know we'll we'll talk about. But if you go to Off the Field, um, can you guys actually shout out the Instagram because that is a public one, and people can share things about the fashion show on there as well, right? Right. Yes. So at Off the Field, you mean? So Off the Field PWA, our Instagram? That's the Instagram, yes. So James, you can go there and, and learn a little bit more about it, but anyone else too. Yeah. And this, yeah, this will be in the show notes. Yeah, to the Hollywood Foundation for sure. Um, so... Yes. Well, I just, you know, have to say thank you. I loved this conversation. I have a thousand more questions, but I know that we are about the top of the hour. Yeah. And I'm excited to meet you in person because maybe I can ask you, you know, some of those questions when, when you're relaxed, not when you're working and doing hard things. I won't, yeah. do, I, I won't do that. But um, I'm just, you know, I'm so blessed to have Cynthia in my life where I'm able to, again, have this platform to um, share your guys' stories and just get to know a little bit more, but also spread the word that we are all more alike than we are different. And if we all can support each other and not judge each other and think, oh, because you guys were blessed with a certain, you know, life doesn't mean that, you know, that doesn't mean that you're different and you have a heart of gold. I mean, you lost your husband. The things that you've had to do with, you know, your, your child is more than, uh, than, you know, some other people had to deal with. And so again, it's just showing up and, and respecting everyone. Uh, it doesn't matter from where they are and just, you know, spreading the joy. So thank you for doing that every day, um, Erica and Cynthia. Thank you. And thank you for sharing your story, too, because I had no idea you babysit it for Cindy. That's cute. I'm glad to hear that you guys reconnected. Awesome. Yeah. Isn't it? It's, it's so wild because I, re- I was just actually on a podcast the other day and we were talking about it because it and I didn't even think about that. And I'm always talking about pay attention to people you cross. And then I always went back to the podcast when I had Cynthia on. But then I was like, it was when I, I can even still picture Cynthia where you guys lived. I can totally still picture it. Um, and uh, and just how you know it is. It's a special thing to think back and reminisce. And it was. And Mrs. Your mom was my kids' teacher too. Yes, you're right. All three. Not not was she Aiden's as well? Well, um, yeah, because I was going to keep Aiden back, but um, Mrs. Yes. Williams was like, for goodness sake, send her to school. She will go insane. <laughs> She's ready. So Aiden is always so thankful. She's like, thank goodness for Mrs. Williams making you send me to school. <laughs> really, really it, young. It's funny. But you know what? But it's funny because my mom is really good at because my boys were summer birthdays and she's like, you know, do a pre K if you can do a pre K. It's really important because they they need that extra year. But some kids she sees that doesn't. My mom right. is 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 one of the best. She's so mom, if you, yeah, if you're listening to this, we love you. Another one. <laughs> you should have your mom on your podcast too. <laughs> <laughs> I know. She she listens often. I don't know that she wants to be a guest, but <laughs> she listens often. But thank you everyone for joining YNS Live. Uh, with NFL Thread, please head over, follow Erica. You can follow her and find out so much stuff that Erica is doing. This is her official Erica Lasseter at Instagram. Again, this will be in the show notes. And Cynthia, you can find Cynthia Zordich and also uh, NFL Thread. Um, you guys can find all that information. And off the field, right. And off definitely, the field. Definitely go into off the field and definitely come to LA. <laughs> yes. I will see you guys there for sure. Yes. Okay, I'm going to. 
bring up the music. And again, thank you for taking the time, Erica thank and you, Cynthia, Julia. because thank I know. You, oh, it's so so light going out this time. <laughs> all right, everyone, have a wonderful holiday season to all. Bye, Erica. Bye. 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 Bye.